You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. The following podcast may contain adult language and discussions of an adult nature. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on site! Intermission. It's not a regular They Must Be Destroyed on Site. It's an intermission episode, so it's going to be a little bit shorter, but it's going to be a much wider and uh, ribbed for your pleasure. So, uh, Ooh. yeah. Uh, I'm your host, Lee. Shut your bitchy mouth, Russell. And I'm joined by my co host, Paul. If you people want to survive, you better start looking and thinking like the forest. Romali, how you doing, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. And that is my motto. Mm. It is, truly. As a forest dweller myself, who hides in roots? That is exactly my my motto. Yes. How are you doing, good sir? Not bad. Uh, overworked, but uh, you know that story oh, all too well. Too so. all, all too well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, fitting a lot of stuff into uh, whatever free time I have. So uh, that's what we're doing here. And um, got lucky enough that you suggested that you wanted to uh, do a bonus episode, and we did want to at least do a couple slashers in our little hiatus in the 80s so uh, this gave us the perfect opportunity to do so um you'll be hearing this uh listener on the week we're uh, working all weekend so we couldn't record a regular they must be destroyed on site so uh just just happened to fit perfectly so we're going to be doing two uh slasher films here we're going to be looking at the final terror from 1983 and superstition Mm -hmm. from 1982 Mm-hmm. And uh, I like the fact that we have like a little sandwich because we have the final terror from 81 that was released in 83. Oh. And then we have superstition from 82. So we just, the whole first three years of the eighties, bam, done, spanned. Yeah. It's pretty uh, interesting. I mean, and honestly, superstition uh, ended up getting released in, the in US, 82. Yep. But in, 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 in the U S in 85, Mm-hmm. So yeah, in '85, and all that was shot in '81 to be released in '81 as well. Yeah, so it was all crazy. So, so you, you're you're spanning the peak of the slasher uh, craze right to the pretty much the depth death of it around the mid '80s. So right. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I think '85 got... is a really bad time to be a slasher movie. Let's just say that. Oh, and I'm sure we'll get into it here, but uh, both these movies, you know, what they have in common with. Uh, being on the shelf for so long uh we'll, we'll probably get into that but um yeah let's just start with uh we'll, we'll we'll take a quick break here play a little bit of music and we'll come back and we'll start with the final terror you ungodly warlock
you ungodly warlock. All right, The Final Terror from 1983. Uh, this is directed by Andrew Davis. And the thing about this movie, there's a lot of people who went on to do really good stuff. And, oh, absolutely. And, and so uh, Andrew Davis, uh, he, went on, he went on to do a couple of the better Steven Seagal movies. Uh, he did Above the Law, Steven Seagal's first film, and Under Siege. And uh, he also directed The Fugitive with uh, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's done a bunch of other big stuff, but those are sort of the ones that were notable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, written by John George, Neil D. Hicks, and Ronald Shusset. And uh, this is starring John Frederick as Dennis Zorich. And uh, John Frederick, uh, you might know him from The Wanderers. And then we have Adrian Zemed as Marco Cerrone. And he's uh, best known from T.J. Hooker. Yes, a long and, time, and the Love Boat later too. Yeah, and uh, Grease Two and Bachelor Party as well are other ones that uh, uh, blipped on the radar there for me. Ernest Harden Jr. as Nathaniel Hines, uh, Lewis Smith as Boone, and I know him from The Heavenly Kid. Little connection actually back to uh, the previous episode where yes. uh, I know exactly the what you're going to go for because I saw that too. I was like, oh, Lee's sneaky. He's a <laughs> sneaky guy. He threw in that, so go for it. Rachel Ward as Margaret. I thought she actually did more horror films than she actually did. She basically did this in Night School, and those were the... Yeah, because I know her from Night School. I thought she did other stuff, too, but I looked, and I, I have Night School, but I don't, I don't own this one on VHS. I picked up Night School, and I looked at that, and then I um, checked it out. I thought she did other stuff, too. Uh, same with a couple girls from the next movie we're going to do. I thought they were in other stuff. Apparently not, so... yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think there's good reason why Rachel Ward wasn't in too much. Uh, she's not very good. <laughs> but she, she was in uh, the Burt Reynolds uh, detective film, Sharky's Machine. Uh, that was probably her biggest role. Uh, then we have Daryl Hannah as Wendy Morgan. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know her from Splash and mm-hmm. uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> Did you know, uh, the, you know the Disney Plus uh, thing that's running yeah. now, right? They recently put Splash up on there. You know what they did? What? They did digital hair on her to on cover her up her ass. And her, ass. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Digital hair. So it, it looks like fake, like fur rustling in the wind, basically. Okay. That could. I mean, some people would think that's hot. I mean, uh, we could we could go for that whole thing. I don't have digital hair on my ass. It's real because I I like I like practical effects. <laughs> well, it, here's the thing. It's like they're trying to protect children, but I think they're going to spawn a whole new generation of furries just doing that mm-hmm. shit. So. And, you know, and, 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 and I, being a furry as it is, I think I should lead the charge. Yeah, yeah. Let bronies uh, and fernies unite over this. <laughs> Continuing on here, we got uh, Akosa Buzia as Vanessa and uh, Joe uh, Pantoliano as uh, Edgar. And uh, if you don't know this guy, you haven't been watching movies because he's been in just about everything since this movie. Most notably, like Goonies, Memento, The Matrix, whole ton of shit. And then we have uh, another person from The Heavenly Kid, uh, Mark Metcalf, is Mike. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's all I'm going to go for the cast the, here. Uh, the, the cast is, is crazy in this. If you actually like realize who's in it, it's one of those kind of things. And uh, the, the, the person that plays Vanessa is the daughter of the president of Guyana. Really? Yeah, which is crazy. Just absolutely insane. I like the moment with her because when she actually falls in the water off the boat, she freaks out because she literally is freaking out because she can't swim. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's cool. And and Joe uh, 
Cantillano, um, I love him in this film. Like, mm-hmm. he's just top-notch the whole time. And I was like, wow, I really like, connect with this guy for some reason. He's a complete dick, but he's a realist. I like that. Yeah, so, he's I a mean, sympathetic character. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's really weird because this is one of those films without the later success of some of the other people in it. Mm-hmm. I don't think we would have ever heard of the film. Honestly. Well, that's, well, that's honestly the whole reason it got released mm-hmm. in the first place, because um, Adrian Zemed, most notably, and um, Daryl Hannah, Hannah. Yeah. They, they had some big breakout roles mm-hmm. uh, right after this, and then it was like, oh, this is sitting on the shelf, might as well release it, you know, that kind of it thing. It kind of reminds me, do you, remember, remember Leatherface 3, mm-hmm. or, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 Leatherface? Yeah. They... And it's the opposite. It was kind of the opposite, but similar. They had two people that went explosionally huge, you know, with uh, Matthew McConaughey and um, the, the girl. Oh, no, Renee, you're, thinking, Renee, Renee, uh, you're thinking of the next generation. Next generation with Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. That actually didn't almost get released because they were stars. Yeah, so well, like, I think. No, no, we can't do that because we're, <laughs> guys, so you better hold up for a second. And then they yeah, released it later. I think I think McConaughey was that was right around the same time that he hit it big with uh, Dazed and Confused, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. All right, but all I, right, all right. I think McConaughey laughs it off now and and doesn't mind it. But Zellweger, I think she kind of erased it from her IMDb. Well, I mean, uh, what is it? The other one, uh, George Clooney does the same thing with student. Was it the student body or Return to Horror High? I mean, he does the same thing, like poo poos the whole thing. I was like, you know what? Hey, guess what? It started you. It, it's all. All these people, you can poo-poo whatever horror movie you're in to start, but it started you. So oh, shut fuck, up. Fucking George Clooney, man. Uh, that's not the only thing. Like, fucking uh, Return of Duffled the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Grizzly 2, that was never released officially. Right. He was in that, in the uh, work print that is the only existing copy of Grizzly 2. Right. Uh, Which, that, and that's, that's the sad thing is, like, think about all these different movies that were shot, were made, but just because, you know, wrong time, wrong place, wrong producer, wrong this, that never got distributed, that are probably amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of slasher films, there was a bunch picked up right around the peak, you know, between, like, 80 to, like, 83. Yeah, they wanted to make that easy money. Yeah, and then after that, a lot of them were just, the, the big studios were then buying, uh, they didn't want to produce their own. So they were looking for older slasher films to to pick up and and release. So you'd get a lot of stuff like this that was uh, like picked up later on. Sometimes they'd add new scenes and things like that and like mm-hmm. clean it up a bit. But mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't the case with with either one of these films. But uh, mm-hmm. well, it's actually really funny. The uh, when you mentioned the adding, the producer added the first sequence where the two people get killed. He added that, and because it was a uh, addition without the director's approval, he actually got fined and had to pay the producer or the director a sum of money. And the funny thing is, he wasn't pissed because it paid for his wedding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like one of those happy little accidents. There you go, buddy. And honestly, when I watched the film, I think it would feel even more disjointed without the beginning. Like, I prefer the beginning the way it is. Yeah, although you can tell that the beginning is is done it by is slapped different. on, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like it because it does set it up. I mean, that's the whole point of these films is set up. So I yeah. do feel that that does set up the film because it would have would have been more like a 
unexpected what the fuck. You know, although, although I don't understand the trap that kills that girl at the beginning. No, honestly, like I, you know, my, my kids make better traps like that than, than, than trying to catch me. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, <laughs> come on, guys. Just a quick p- plot synopsis here. A group of rangers go camping on unfamiliar forest grounds all is well until the group members start getting picked off by a cunning, tactical, malevolent killer in the woods. And yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a killer in the woods film. It, it's very much in that subgenre of the prey and... The forest. Yeah, you know, the forest. Yeah, the, the, the just before dawn. Just the whole... dawn. Yeah, and it has that kind of... Um, I feel it has that madman setup. Mm-hmm. Where, like, let's sit around the fire and tell exactly what's going to happen, and then you find it out later that, oh, that's why that happened. Yeah, it's it's the slash Madman uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 setup is, is what it is. But yeah, we'll, we'll just sort of get into it here for thoughts. Um, so so what do you think of this film sort of in, in general overall? It's a bit dull. Uh-huh. It's a bit long and a bit dull. I, I, I mean, I do feel that they keep trying to do stuff. Like, I, I don't think it's a boring film. They do try to keep the ball rolling. But at the same time, it just it seems kind of um, I don't want to say played out. It just doesn't like I don't know. It, it, there's no spice. There's no pepper in the mix. It's Very exactly it's 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 the final terror. Like mm-hmm. let, let me give you an example. It's the final terror. It's a, it's exactly what the recipe calls for to make this cake. And you yeah. made the cake, but you never put sauce. You know, you sprinkling on it. You never put the <laughs> icing on it. You know. It's just like it's just like uh, this plain old like yellow cake without anything on it. Yeah, but there were there is one moment where they take the body of the girl that just got killed because mm-hmm. it's really weird because the girl's reaction to the monster that is clearly there was a little shitty. Put the yeah. hat on the girl and stuff. But when they chuck that girl, you could see her bounce off that raft. I'm like, oh my god, she's gonna actually die. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> you know, there are moments that you can't do in other films. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they would just wouldn't let you just chuck this girl off a thing and hit a, 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 an inflatable raft and, without, you know, padding all over the place. So I do appreciate I, the film. I feel like a lot of the films, and especially, like, the slasher films that kind of fit this subgenre, they really went loosey-goosey with the stunts. I know there was a few instances of that in uh, Just Before Dawn where people legit almost got killed because right. of Right. And I like that. Yeah. I think that's my favorite. See... I was even talking a long time ago about making a film with my one friend. And I was like, well, she could just keep running this way and I'll come off the thing and I'll, I'll basically, you know, just spear her right out of the camera. And he goes, well, you can't just spear the girl out of the camera. I'm like, why not? And, like, and they're like, well, you got to put stuff down and you can't do I'm like, come on. Like, <laughs> you got to, it's like, what, I was like, and then I, of course, I was reminiscing about what Marilyn Burns went through. You know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, and like, come on. And then what basically the girl from Evil Dead went through when she tried to do the forced tree rape scene. Oh, yeah. You know, these women were real dedicated. They like they were into making a horror film and they did whatever they needed to do. But you can't do that anymore. No, no. Now you got to have stunt doubles and you have to sign off on insurance. and. Yeah. And not even talking about the fact that everybody in this film basically had to use a fake name. Because it was one of those films they tried to push under the union radar, and there was union workers, but they had to make fake names because they weren't paying union wages. 
yeah, I think the I think the uh, director himself he he was director and he also did the uh, uh, cinematography. He was the director and cinematographer. Yeah, so and yeah. he went under the name like Andrew Dostoevsky or something like that. And he just yeah. his name up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that. I mean, that's the kind of shit I like. I like that guerrilla film. Like that's Same. why John Russo for me will always be like one of my favorite directors because I like his two guys, a camera, a gorilla. Let's make a film. Mentality. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I like it's raw. My problem with this film is it shoots in the dark, and when it shoots in the dark, it fucking shoots in the dark. Yeah, they don't have any lighting at all in this film, no. and, and they're there and then there is um, it, it's like California slash uh, Oregon uh, woods yeah, that they're shooting it's in, the like redwoods. It was a Jefferson National Park or something like that, or and it's like that. Like, yeah, and it's a beautiful redwoods, just disgustingly beautiful. But the problem is that creates enough shadow as it is. Yeah, and then you see the canopy, and you see those big fucking trees, especially the the one at the end there. Like that's Mm -hmm. just blocking out any sun at all coming down. Yeah, there there is no sun coming down to make. Yeah, I mean that's. I I mean I always every time I was watching that it reminded me like the uh, Leonard Nimoy Bigfoot documentary, the In Search of Bigfoot and stuff like that, going through those things, and it was showing you how easy it is to hide because there's no sun, like everything's overgrown. I'm like, well, you nailed it. Look at this. Like, half the time I couldn't tell what the people were and what yeah. the roots were. Yeah. Because it just kind of intermeshes so well because there's no lighting. And that's one of the that's one of the strengths of this, though. Like, it, it works for the killer because she's got, like, spoilers, it's a she. She's got the... Yeah. Um, I'll uh, talk she, about that in a second. Yeah, she's got the makeshift uh, sort of ghillie suit going on, you know? Like, the, yeah, the root right. bark. There's times where the killer is just so well blended in with the background that you're surprised to see it, see uh, the killer emerge, like especially at the mm-hmm. end there where the killer just comes out from that, that hidden spot. Yeah. Uh, to... When, yeah. Well, right when the heart of like, that was, they were trying to go off that she's living in the woods, she's living in the tree root. She, and she just emerges and you just can't tell. And then there she is. And yeah. she takes that guy's legs off and fucking, he falls down the cliff. You can't see, you can't tell. It's great. Yeah. And also, um, I think one of the key scenes where it being really dark actually works really well is the van scene where they they get back in the van and and the killer gets on the roof and starts smashing mm-hmm. the windows with the yeah, axe. Yeah, no, the spears come through the windows and yeah, and then they're freaking out. Yep. No. But the one thing is I don't like is there's another film called Edge of the Axe and mm-hmm. it's the same thing. They make this guy look like a monster, like a creature, like a monster, like something like, you're going to have a hard time dealing with, right? Yeah. And then at the end of the film, you find it's like a 21-year-old girl. Like, yeah. Right, now, it caught, you, you just took me out of the little thing there. Like, oh, no, we have an aged mother to deal with. Okay. She's I not think a it, mama grizzly. No, but she's kind of feral. I, I think it works here in, in the sense that these are, like, even though they're technically rangers or whatever, they're still basically mostly city kids. No, uh, the girl, and then, the, girl, the girls are all rich kids. Yeah, and this killer has been living out in the woods, and I think the sort of key to it is that the killer is using camouflage and stuff to affect it, their kills, and right. um, and it makes sense in the in the sort of grand scheme of things that there's very little kills in this film because there would be very little kills in real life if this was yeah. Happening. There's only there's only three kills or something like that. I just remember the one scene where the girl's running through the woods and she runs into this brick wall of a person with mm-hmm. an axe and slaps her on the side of the face with it and she gets her, her, her neck cut. 
And I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't look, uh, well, that is cinematography right there. Because you are not 10 foot tall, made of brick. But it looks like that way when in the in the film. So they do kind of hint that the uh, the Egger character, the Joe uh, Pantelano's uh, uh, character, yeah. might be assisting because it's his mother that's living in the woods, his mentally right, ill yeah. mother. And they didn't flesh it out. That's the biggest problem. They they didn't flesh it out enough to like eventually show at the end. Oh yeah, he wasn't just like bringing her food. He was like. Uh, at the end, he decided to help out and start killing these people too because they got too close. Uh, yeah, it was basically just a, a flip of the switch kind of a deal too. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I mean, they, I mean, I, I definitely understand the end of it because they're beating the shit out of Edgar, and yeah. she just flips her shit and starts running. But at the same time, it's like, well, how convenient you put that elaborate trap right there. Yeah, that's that... pretty good. That's a bit much. Like it's like it, it becomes a survivalist uh, film where like you you've got such a high amount of uh, potential victims still alive that they just they group together and fight the killer. Like if this was Jason Voorhees, he'd kill them all in like three seconds. But, right. You know. Exactly. Yeah. I I I mean I like it was an intricate trap. I don't know how they knew how to even build the damn thing. If because mm-hmm. we are they are just city kids. Remember, you know what I mean? Like. So, I mean, that was pretty good. The one guy who's basically saying he was high on mushrooms the whole time. Yeah. That's the one that got his legs lopped off, or his ankles. But um, when you see her get hit with the trap, the first time you get to see the back shot, you get to see one of the wooden spikes flex a lot, like rubber. Like it goes... Mm-hmm. Like it goes... <laughs> it's really kind of funny. When you first see it, but honestly, it's a very effective kill. I mean, it looks cinematically awesome. I think the the thing that is a big part of the film is the environment and how awesome it looks. Yeah, it it does the same thing as uh, just before Dawn does in that regard, where it it uses the landscape to his advantage a lot. But at the same time, I think this is kind of like a tear down below just before Dawn. Oh uh, yeah, it definitely is because just before Dawn is awesome. Yeah. I mean, just before Don has a reveal that is great that you don't see coming, where this this one has a reveal where it's like, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know yeah, exactly yeah, what's like, going yeah. on. There it is. Yeah. Just before Don, the woman punches her fist down the guy's throat and chokes him to death. Yeah. Like, you can't top that. Like, yeah, that's, just, that's just amazing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, unless we have anything else to say about this one, like, I, I, I think it I think it sits firmly in the middle with this sort of subgenre. Like it's it's way better than the prey. I'd, I'd say. Like, oh yeah, the prey. Yeah, yeah. Like honestly, honestly, when when I sort of think of this genre, it's just before dawn. It's this, and then everything else, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the forest is pretty good. The forest is all right. Yeah, like and if you want to, if you want to like include the Friday the Thirteenth stuff into this genre, then maybe it's a broader discussion, but. I, but I, if you I, start doing that, then you got to throw the burning in. Then you got to throw the madman right. in. Then you got to start. You know what I mean? Then it gets too, too blurry. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would just say, you know, just flat out, not camp counselor shit, just forest shit. Yeah, yeah. You know? I agree. Because their 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 whole job is a, is the CCC, their uh, environmentalists that are going out to to, to clear the river. Right. So the salmon can spawn correctly. So they're out there, and they just brought the girls to just show them around and fuck them. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I mean that they're not they're not camp counselors. They're not this. They're not that. I think that's a whole other genre. 
I love how the two head rangers or whatever, though, are also, like, really, they don't give a shit. Like, even when a couple of people go missing, they're like, you know what? They're, they're like, in their, you know, they're, like, late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> yeah. Fuck somewhere, and then they pay for it, you know? It was, it was like, they're adults. Fuck them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The actual one uh, lady that's at the building, that's in charge of the building, that's actually the director or producer's um, daughter. Oh really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it turns out to be one of the crew members wife later they marry. And yeah. I don't know which one that is too, yeah. So the whole ancestral triangle. Oh, I mean it's just like every Romero movie where everybody knew oh, each other and everyone was fucking. Yeah, that's right. Like, oh Bonnie. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty good film. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's a good watch and um you can see it easily. I mean if if you don't want to pick up the Scream Factory Blu ray D V D you can just go to Shout Factory TV and it's streaming there for free. So uh, I would like to say this is the first time watch for me as well. Oh, really? Yes, I've well, that, never that, watched it. That surprises the fuck out of me because the next film we're going to get into is a first time watch for me. So uh, I figured it would be. There you go. Hmm. We're popping both of our cherries tonight, baby. We are. We are. Yeah. Yes. Good. But yeah, let's let's move into the next one. Um, so this is Superstition from 1982. AKA the witch, uh, which is probably what it's known as in a lot more territories, like where it was actually yeah, released. That's a, definitely a European and Canadian uh, title for the film. Yeah, uh, directed by James R. Robertson, written by Galen Thompson, Michael O. Uh, Sajabel, Brett Thompson Plate, and Brad White. Uh, it's starring James uh, Houghton as Reverend David Thompson, Albert uh, Salmi as Inspector Sturgis. Lynn Carlin as Melinda Leahy, uh, Larry Pennell as George Leigh, uh, Jacqueline Hyde as Avira Chirac, uh, Robert Simmons as Pike, Heidi Bohe as Anne Leigh, uh, Malo McCoslin as Cheryl Leigh, Carol Goldman as Alondra, Stacy Keach Sr., the dad of Stacy Keach, as Reverend Mayor, uh, Kim Marie as Mary, and Billy Jane as Justin Leigh. I actually didn't do the deep dive on the cast here. There are a couple people who's been in stuff, like one of the the, the guy the guy who plays uh, Justin, the the younger the young son. Mm-hmm. He was in um, what's the fuck? Uh, what what the fuck? It's a sex comedy where the uh, the the high school teacher is and happens to be an alien who uh, like injects him with some shit that makes him like irresistible to women. Um, oh, that sounds crazy. Yeah, I'm trying to. One of those guys are in Weird Science, but they're not. The, it's not the right Weird Science. It's a different one. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the 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 Sturgis, the Detective Sturgis, he's in a shit ton of films, and so is the lady that plays uh, plays Elvira. She's been in tons of stuff. I did um, see. Yeah. Yeah, like for instance, the guy who played Sturgis was in the TV show Combat and things mm-hmm. like that. He's been in quite a lot of things. Uh, and so, like, one or two of the other people have been in a lot of TV shows and just movies, but a lot of ones I haven't seen. Yeah, and a lot a lot of these people just went on to do nothing, like, afterwards. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, 90% of the cast did nothing. Three of the people did a lot of stuff. It's one of those kind of deals. Yeah, so, uh, synopsis quick for this. A family moves into a long-condemned New England household with a big pond out back that everyone loves to swim in, which is gross. Uh, soon, however... <laughs> They find out that the pond was the site of an execution by drowning of a witch 300 years before, and she's back to revenge herself on anybody nearby, whether they're Catholic or not. And, you know, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this was, 
I'll get into this first. This was the first time me, of me watching this. I actually hadn't even heard of this one. Mm-hmm. And immediately watching it, I got vibes of House by the Cemetery. Like, it this felt, this felt yeah. like... I it's felt like yeah this director's seen some Fulci and yeah so to me this is basically like Canadians tried Fulci and they yeah. did a good job and and I like the fact but the only thing different is this has a plot line I I would argue it actually suffers for having a plot plot line yeah because... it does it suffers a little bit too because everything's explained away too much and but I, I like the film a lot I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, like, bullshit anyone and say, like, oh, it's one of my favorite slashers ever and that it's actually, like, a well-made movie, like, 100% all the way through. But there's a lot of, like, really good stuff in this. And so, like, I mean, watching this, I'm thinking, like, this is definitely pulling from Amityville Horror and Exorcist and Host by the Cemetery. So you, you get that slasher kind of vibe to it as well. But I think one of the biggest strengths of, of this, and this is like super cheap looking, like I didn't get a budget for it, but it looks like they made it for like three bucks. I think the effect work on this stand out for a movie this cheap. Like it, it yeah. actually really good. No, that's what I like so much about the film. It's so crazy and it's so visceral and so mm-hmm. cool. Like when they're when they're when they get the witch and the house burns, the, the the whole church burns down and then they drown the like all that stuff is awesome. I really like the first two kills. They're the first two kills in the film kind of solidified me into the film. I, I like that the the opening is also like a a fake out because you get the typical trope of two teens in the car making out yeah. at the like, a haunted place or the make out point or wherever the fuck right, and you think okay these are the first two are gonna die, and no they get away. And it's the two people pranking them that end up getting killed in the house. And right. it's like, it's a pretty extended sequence, too. Like, it, no, I think it's, it's a long sequence. 10 minutes or something, like the opening of it. And it's actually effectively done, like two really good kills. Well, well, one, you don't see the kill, but you see the aftermath mm-hmm. of it. And, uh, yeah, I like the, the fact that he's in the microwave. The microwave <laughs> opens up and blows the head up into the guy's face. It's like, yeah. damn, man, okay. Yeah, uh, like this is a supernatural uh, slasher film, so that also sort of makes it closer to Host by the Cemetery because there is a kind of a supernat, like an underlying supernatural kind of vibe to that, even though it's kind of a straight slasher in a lot of ways. Um, you have the girl, you have the Mary, but mm-hmm. you don't have the Bob, and that's good. Well, I was well, you, thinking, I, mean, I was, I was going to say the Bob gets fucking hung up in the thing, though. I mean, if you if you want to call him Bob, I guess there were two Bobs in this. There's there's yeah. the kid, and then there and then the the ghost child Mary is basically female Bob, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Oh, <laughs> you you want to you want to throw her into the Bob category? I do. Okay, okay. Maybe call her Roberta. Um, R- Roberta Bob. Yeah, because I I was annoyed by her as well. I was like, fuck okay. off. Like, hi, I'm Mary. I, I want to play. Fuck off. Yeah, I'm like, no, I don't want to play, Mary. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you you go play with Bob and in, in the uh, the dead uh, girl in fucking House by the Cemetery, please. Like, get the fuck away from me. Yeah, but no, like, so like I was saying, it subverts the, the opening trope there of the teens making out. You get the two really good kills. Uh, you get the, the microwave uh, head gag. And then you get the guy getting chopped in half by the window, which was fucking awesome. Like, that yeah. was that really... This this film has a massive kill count, actually. There's, like, 15 deaths or something in it. It's no, no, there's, there's quite a bit. Yeah. My, my favorite's got to be... I oh, Boy, I love the window. The window really got me solidified in the film, but that priest is just so laugh-out-loud funny. The uh, saw blade into the priest, yeah. That, yes. 
Um, my favorite and the one that I think is the most uh, Fulci-esque is when the demonic form of the witch, and I should explain this uh, to people who haven't seen this yet. So this movie wisely does not give you like a full reveal of what the monster is that's stalking these people in the house. So all you ever really see are the uh, arms of this like demonic, like resurrected witch. And so she's, she's got these like clawed hands, and, like these deformed arms and shit and looks like, almost like a lizard man or some shit. And mm-hmm. and it, and then you know you only ever like see the the arms grab people and pull them off screen and kill them and shit. My favorite kill is when near the end where it grabs one of the daughters up in the attic and nails her oh, head yes. and floor. nails her head to the floor, the, the attic floor, which is exactly what happened to the last family. One of the daughters got nailed to the floor too, and I think it's the same one that had that pre uh, that premonition of her getting that done to her. Where you can um, see the nails coming through the ceiling and they were bloody. Well, it's the blonde daughter has the premonition. Yeah, and then the, the brunette one gets her, na- her, her head nailed to the floor, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it funny. So the setup here is that the church owns the property that this house is on. And this house is haunted by the witch. The witch is kind of like sealed in the pond because there's a cross in the pond. And... The, the, the new sort of, like, vicar or whatever, he's dumb enough to, like, dredge the pond and, like, pull the cross out of it. And it's like, oh, you fucked up. But, yeah, my biggest question, like, here's where, like, the logic really falls flat. Why would the church let anyone live on this cursed property? They, they know the history. They know there's been deaths. If I was the church, I would just lock this up with no trespassing and just... I like the fact that they're, 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 trying to, they're trying to turn the blind eye and put money as their god. Because, yeah. like, even the, the guy says, you know, economics, you know, we got to do this shit. Sorry. Like, and the guy, <laughs> I just like the fact, and that they point out the the fraud of the church so many times. Like, the first mm-hmm. thing the surgeon says, he goes, why don't you just do this? You guys be driving around and solid gold Cadillacs by now. I mean, <laughs> they, they, he's just a real dick, and he's pointing out the fact that the church is a money-making scheme. And I like yeah. that. It, yeah, I, li- I like I like the Sturgis character. Like, he's... Like, he's kind of ineffective as a cop in some ways, but at the same time, he's like, he's no bullshit. Even though he's, like, trying to pin, like, the murders and stuff on the mentally challenged handyman who so after the the house or whatever he's like he doesn't take the uh priest's shit at all like all the church people he's like you know fuck you <laughs> you know i like i like the fact though like we'll go back to folky for just a second he plays a great like italian horror movie cop like he's not that... really good at his job but he doesn't take anybody's shit see yeah because I, I could so this was released in italy in 82 that's the only right. that's the only time it was released in 82 it wasn't until 85 when it started getting released in the USA and other places. I can see why this was released in Italy first, because it is so Italian-like. In, in it the does way it's play struck. to the audience, doesn't it? It plays to yeah. that demographic really well. I, I, that's what, I think that's one of the reasons why I really liked it, too. Yeah, and just getting that House by the Cemetery buzz on this made me happy. And I, I like all the sort of weird deaths. I, I like the handyman who gets, like, pulled up the elevator shaft and yep. then dropped down. And hung in the elevator. I like the fact that they don't give a fuck. They kill kids, too. They don't give a shit. That's exactly doesn't that. give a fuck. Yeah, this movie just, like, fuck you. Uh, we're killing everybody. And and, and right. it does. kills everybody. Literally, nobody... It literally kills everybody. <laughs> yeah. The only uh, the only one who survives, actually, is uh, Elvira. Oh, I thought, the, I thought Elvira was dead in the bedroom. They find Elvira dead in the bedroom on the bed. Or is that... No, that remember. was that's uh, that's the the wife. 
Uh, okay, the wife's dead on the bed. Okay, yeah. So they kill literally everybody. But she, Elvira, the whole time she goes, I can't come up there. I'm not allowed. Yeah, she stays in her fucking house. She's like, I ain't going anywhere. And she's talking is, to. The- is it just me, or every time you saw Elvira, all you thought was Black Sabbath? <laughs> yes. That's all, that's all that- I could see when I looked at Elvira. I just was like, you're that bitch in the bed on Black Sabbath. That's all yeah. I could think of. Exactly. Yeah. Fucking dead on, dead on. Um, I think that what, this, the thing about this film for me especially, is one of those ones. It's a film you find out way later. I mean, like way later that you didn't yeah. even know existed, and it's so crazy and so Italian and so disgusting and so this that you just you're excited about it. It actually it's a film that when you when you're starting to watch it, you're happy you're watching it. It's one of those yeah. moments. No, I had a lot of fun with this one. It was a pleasant surprise, honestly. It's like, wow, they made this, and no one's really heard about it. Like, it's, no one's it's, really heard about it. This was yeah. the final tear. A lot of people don't even know it exists, let alone talk about it. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think this is a good, uh, do, little, little, good little duo. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. Like, there's, there's a lot of similarities to them, and uh, you know, just another one of those films that sort of fell through the cracks in like the the early half of the '80s and. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually got picked up, but by that time, no one was watching these films really anymore. Right. It's kind of, right. kind of got a big release, and yeah. Multiple artworks for this one. Actually, mine is like a, a hand with uh, nails holding a, a rosary. Okay. It's more a cop-off kind of a release, but the original one is most like a, a ghostly shroud on the cover. That's, yeah, that's the more uh, official release artwork. Yeah. Yeah, and you can get this. Uh, so apparently, there's an Anchor Bay DVD of this from 2006, and Scream Factory, big surprise, picked this up and just released a Blu-ray in 2019 of this. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you can find it. Um, you can actually probably find the official cover on the Blu-ray more readily than you can the DVD. Yeah, Scream Factory usually does the. Uh, uh, oh, we're gonna give you like new art, and you flip the uh, cover, and you'll get like the old original art too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and I don't. Oh, yeah, one thing I'll mention here: this was uh, a video nasty too in the U.S. Oh, yes, yes, it was. You're damn right. Oh, and a little little thing is right when the guy is looking in the mirror before the mirror blows up and kills him. You can see the cameraman's face in the mirror. <laughs> that was the ghost of the cameraman. That's what. That there you was. go. He's yeah. dead. Everyone's dead in the film. It's like the Beyond. Mm. Yeah. No. It's 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 definitely got that sort of the Fulci uh, vibe to it. As far as like, yeah, I'm just gonna kill everybody. I don't give a fuck. Like you mm-hmm. know, no nobody goes goes home happy. That's that's the kind nope. of thing. And then the little girl is pissed when she gets stabbed with that crucifix too. She is pissed. Yeah, she's like some sort of weird, like side manifestation of the fucking she's witch. She's actually the she's actually the manifestation of the thirteen year old little girl that actually condemned the witch, that told on the witch. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. So that's why she keeps coming back as that little girl, the innocent little girl, because she's just a, she's actually the person that told on the witch. And I do like, and I kind of wish John Carradine was in this role because I just think because you know eighty two, he would have been just about peak before he stopped acting. Yeah, because uh, he was in the Howling in '81, of course. The original preacher that the bloodline is condemning because he's con- she condemned basically everybody in the village, and oh, yeah. especially the preacher, the preacher that died in the cider press. The yeah. original when when the witch first came back and killed the preacher that that basically condemned her to death. 
I was like, you know, I'd love it if that was John Carradine in that role. I just think it would be absolutely he would fit. Like that, that, that preacher kind of looked, you know, gone. Very and, Carradine. Yeah, yeah very exactly. Carradine. I was like, God, if they could have just got Carradine for that, this film would just be that much better. You think they could have got Carradine because he was <laughs> he was taking any fucking role anyone threw he at. He was taking absolutely anything. Yeah, he yeah. he had to keep his scotch uh, cabinet full, if you know what I mean. So he was taking anything he could get. Like if if you couldn't get him, like God, who else would you would you would you pick like around that time? Uh, <sighs> I don't know. Car- Carradine's kind of the one that always kind of throws I- right in my face. I guess Carradine's like, you know, like $500 in a ham sandwich kind of deal. Like, everybody else would probably be asking for actual money. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's why, I mean, I think that's why Carradine was in so many damn films. I have another one that he was in, and I can't even remember. I, I bought it the same day I bought uh, Not From This Earth with uh, Tracy Lords. I, yeah. I, bought, I bought another shitty fucking sci-fi horror film, and he's in it, and it's really bad. It is oh, bad. Well, well, uh, fucking, um, I think it's it's either Jim Wynorski or Fred Olin Ray, one or the other. They got with Carradine, like, right near the end of his life and filmed a mm. bunch of shit with him that yeah, was not connected awesome. to anything. And then they used those segments in movies, like, years after he died. To as, well, like, I actually, I like that kind of stuff, because I actually like John Carradine a lot and this stuff, you know. Like that works out pretty well. That's good. I like his uh, assholism in Shockwave as the as the captain. He was, he was pretty good as the asshole. He played the asshole pretty well in things too. So yeah, he did. I just think he could be. I I think John uh, uh, John Carradine could have probably been the quint quintessential damning priest in that film, and he would have been really cool to crush in a cider press too. But other than that, I think everybody did a pretty good job in the film. Mary to me is not full on Bob. Mm-hmm. She she reminds me of the combination between the girl and Bob in House by the Cemetery, kind of smashed into one. Yeah, they they the, the become but like Bobina or something like that. Like this, yeah, Bobina. You know, yeah. Hey, Bob, get out of the house. Hi, I'm Bob. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like Bob, get out of the house. Hi, my name's Bob. No, Bob, you don't understand. Get the fuck out of the house. Hi, I'm Bob. Who are you? No, Bob, You're get the fuck out. Yeah, you're you're a girl. If we could just go back and find out who did the subtitling for that, we could kill them all. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, uh, I definitely enjoyed this one a lot. So, so thank you for suggesting this one. I suggested no uh, Final Terror, so uh, we we got a good uh, good combo here. I think you we know. do. We really do. Yeah, Paul, tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. You can find me at YouTube, PA Brew News, for beer reviews, painting, the whole deal, and the Maniacs Meat Podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. We have been taking a little bit of hiatus because of the pandemic, but we'll get back on there pretty soon. And you can go over to Instagram at Oil Paintings by Peter Mail and Oil um, on Instagram, and the VH, VHS hyphen morgue on yes. Instagram is doing really well all of a sudden. Over a thousand followers already. I don't know wow. how that happened. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're doing great presentation with with the and VHS. I, and I uh, basically I found out just like everybody, follow everyone. That does that also work. Yeah. If yeah, if you whore your, absolutely everyone. If you whore yourself on Instagram, you'll get a lot of followers. If you want to get a a lot of like beer drinkers following you, and you're female with a great body, 
you can you can just like pose with beer in your hands and yeah, you get, like, say, you don't have to do anything if you're exactly. on social media and you have a pair of tits and a beer just take a picture of the pair of tits and beer put it on and yep. they will come to you it's like field of dreams with cleavage Exactly. Like and exactly. like the, the key is you can't show nudity on Instagram, so you just put the beer bottle in front of your nipples and I have uh, found out that there is so much actual nudity on Instagram, it's insane. Because there I, I follow some other things uh, that are mm-hmm. less uh, family friendly and I don't know how they get away with it, but, but there's some nudity on Instagram too. I just think they should take all nudity off uh standards off everything. Let anything post naked anyway, who cares? Well, I mean, I agree, but um, and I, I am not surprised that you found all the dirty places on Instagram because you know I all find the, all the dirty places so. everywhere. That's my yeah. job. <laughs> uh, and of course, you can find all of our other episodes and all that stuff at tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links. Join the YouTube group and all that good shit. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, it was a lot of fun. My and, pleasure. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back, guys, when we're back. Goodbye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>